Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. And I am so excited this morning about what God wants to do in this place. Uh, and I believe that there is an excitement and an expectation to meet with God this morning. Um, you know, we are jumping into a new series and this series, let me just kind of give you the heartbeat of where this came from. It didn't come from me. It really, I feel like came from the heartbeat of God and it's called come and see. Now, how many of you know that in, in school in education, we always have the lecture and then we have the lab, but how many of you know the lab is really the glue that sticks the whole thing together? You can talk about things, you can try to understand things, but it is in the lab that we learn and we see. Now, I believe that this series, it's not just going to be a series that teaches us things, but we are actually going to be able to experience the presence of God in a way that we never have. Now, the catalyst for that to happen is up to you. I can't force you, I can't make you, I can't twist your arm, which I could twist your arm, but I'm not gonna twist your arm this morning, but I am gonna invite you to come and see the goodness of God. I'm gonna invite you to come and see in a closer glimpse, uh, uh, Jesus in a, in, a, in a realer, that's the right word, in a more real, closer way than maybe you ever have. So I'm so excited. Today is the first day of launching two services. Our service is at 9 o'clock and our service is 11 o'clock. I'm not sure what's going to happen at 11 o'clock, but let me tell you what, it's already been good in 9 o'clock. And, you know, um, the scripture says where two or more are gathered. You know, I'm, I'm really saddened at that sometimes. I was like, did God really think that only two would show up? You know, when you think about it, if two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them that he promises to come and have his way. But I believe that we will see God based on our hunger and our appetites and our thirst towards him. So this morning, we're going to jump in and um, is everybody excited? Is there an excitement in your heart? Is there an excitement for what God's going to do? Um, now, this morning, I want you to know that... Um, that if you don't know Jesus, today is your day. If you came this morning and you said, I don't know, this is kind of weird. You know, I, come, I came this morning, maybe I'm just trying out this church thing. I saw you guys were going to two services, figured something was happening. So you showed up maybe without a relationship. I hope that you leave in a relationship. But how many of you know that, how many of you have had new relationships that grow rather quickly? You have friends that you meet that you feel like you have known them for a lifetime. It happens quick. New friends are sometimes the best friends. Now, sometimes new friends can be bad friends, but most of the time, the older we get, our new friends are our best friends. You know, they are life friends. They are friends that we, that we live a lifetime with. But this morning, God has a divine plan to meet with you. He has a, he has a divine plan to come and, and have his way in this place. And I'm believing that God is really, really going to show up. And I believe that he is already working because his presence is here. I don't know what your week looked like. I don't know what the rest of your weekend looks like. But where the presence of God is, everything changes. It changes our life. How many of you know that we are also people of habit? We do the same thing over and over and over again. Now, if you're an early bird, getting to this 9 o'clock service was no problem. For all of us other people that are not morning people, getting up early enough to get here on time was a challenge. But we are creatures of habit. We get up. We, you know, um, this last time I went on a trip, 
I brushed my teeth out of habit and I had my bag that was packed on the door. Guess what I did out of habit? I grabbed my toothbrush, I put it in the bowl, and then I left on the trip. So I had to humbly walk down to the front desk and ask for an awesome toothbrush that was free. It's horrible. I could have got as much done with my finger as the toothbrush. But we are creatures of habit that do the same thing every single time. And it's not usually what we do along the way that changes those habits, but it is who or whom maybe we experience along the way. So this morning, we're going to look at the story of the Samaritan woman. If you've never looked at the story, if you've never studied the story, the, the story of the Samaritan is about this woman that goes to the well, and she was a person of habit. She did the same thing every day. She had the same expectations, but one day something changed. And this day, she was showing up to the well to draw water, but somebody was there, somebody of significance that changed the whole course of her life, the whole course of her destiny. So there's something that happens when we cross paths with people. Well, let me challenge you. There is something more impactful even than that when we cross paths with the Son of God. And that's what happened. We're going to look at John 4, 1 through 26, and then verses 28 through 39. So I'm going to read this story to you real quick because I want us to all be on the same page. I want you to have heard the story, know the story, so we can go from here to there. Because if you never heard the story, I really want you to hear the story before I unpack it, just because I'm not going to assume you know the story. So this is the story of the woman at the well. So starting uh, in, in ch- chapter... 4 of John, verse 1, it says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees... Has everybody got their Bible or they're following along? Got it? Okay. It says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although the fact is that it was not Jesus baptizing, but it was his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria... So he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the, of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone to town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? So in this time, Jews did not associate with Samaritans. So Jesus asked her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. How can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also our sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. She responds, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands and the man you are with now is not your husband either. What you have said is quite true. And then verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. So she dialogues real quick about worship. We'll worship in spirit and truth. Where do the Jews worship? Where do the Samaritans worship? Let's keep going. Verse 25. And then the woman says, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. 
When he comes, he will explain, to, uh, explain everything to us. And then Jesus responds. He says, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And then verse 28, um, then leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Then they came to the town and they made their way towards him. And in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything. I ever did. So when we look at this story, it is filled with emotion. It is filled with importance. You know, Jesus, everywhere that he went, everything that he did, he was filled with purpose. It says he had to go to Samaria, but there was an agenda when he went to Samaria. And we see in this that it shows, it shows just a woman who didn't really, wasn't expecting to encounter anything. It encountered everything that morning. So we're going to look at three really concepts from this passage that we can apply to our own lives to, to really help us draw near, to come and see Jesus for who he really is. Let me tell you what, when Jesus is present in a location that you show up in, everything changes. Every single time. Now, and we look at this, Jesus was where? At the well. The woman was at the well, and this was the catalyst that changed everything. So often we get stuck doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm sure this woman was depressed. She was discouraged. You know, um, she was just in a routine. You know, it would be like sitting there brushing your teeth in the morning. And the spirit of God just touches you right there. Man, toothbrush revelation, right? You know, in this moment of not expecting anything, but yet experiencing everything. In that moment that his presence shows up and when Jesus is there, when the Holy Spirit is there, it all changes. It doesn't matter where you've come from or how you showed up at the well, but when you leave that well, you will be completely changed. Not because you, but because of who. And when we see Jesus and who he is and his goodness and his love for us, we are enticed to come a little closer. We draw a little nearer. We want to see and hear what he has to say. But the woman, she went to the well often as she did every single day. You know, this passage says that she came at noontime and all of the other ladies came later in the evening. So when we really look into this story, this lady's life was broken. We know that it was full of adultery because it, he, you know, he, he can, communicates about the husband and the husband you have now. And, you know, she agreed, so, so we, can, we can tell from the text that it was true. But how many of you know um, somebody of that lack of character will possibly be looked down in the community? They will travel to the well alone. Nobody will want to have anything to do with them. But let me tell you what. Do you know that God says in his word, he says that Jesus was sent not for those who were well, but those who really needed him. And it just so happened that that day that Jesus showed up at the well, and I really believe for that woman, she all, they also broke you know, the cultural demographic of a Samaritan talking to a Jew, something that was not acceptable. And then I'm another thing is like Jesus was hanging out at a woman with one woman by himself at the well. What does that look like in today's culture, right? It didn't matter because there was a soul at stake. There was a life and death. There was a heaven and hell. There was something that needed to happen so that that lady might be saved and not lost. You know, Paul says, I will do all things that I might reach one. And we see this nature. We see this character all throughout Jesus's life. But she was possibly looked down on. 
She didn't have any friends that went with her to the well. Just my thoughts on that. But that day when she came to the water, she found something way better. Her agenda was not to find Jesus, but it was Jesus's agenda to find her. You have to realize that God always has a plan, even when we don't have a plan, even when we're not expecting, when we're not preparing. Now, this morning, I hope you came hoping to receive or experience the presence of God. But there may be some in this room that just came because it was the right religious thing to do. You showed up with very little agenda. Well, let me tell you what. Jesus is at your well. He's drawing near to you today. And you can leave this moment and this place forever changed. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did. Not because you sought him out this morning, but because he sought you out. And he knew that this moment would be life-changing in your life. You know, I remember when I was younger, went to youth camp. And, you know, youth camp's just a fun, cool thing to do, right? As, when you're young, you just go to youth camp, if we're really honest, to have fun because it's something to do. Our parents or the youth pastor said we have to go. And the agenda is not always to have an encounter with God. Well, let me tell you what, this pastor got saved at youth camp. Not so much because I was searching for God, but because God was searching for me. There was an encounter that happened that changed and wrecked my life. And me just showing up, me just doing what was right, me just going through the motions of life, put me along the path to where I met Jesus at the well. But guess what? He called me out. I tried to talk about my parents' relationship with God, but he called my relationship out. <laughs> but Lord, I'm in a Christian home. But he says, you don't know me for yourself. And it was this moment of where I had that well encounter. It was just me and God and the power of his presence and that my life was changed. I had a plan to have fun at camp, but God had a plan to find me at camp. How many of you guys have ever played hide and seek? It's fun, right? You know, well, the point is to be fun. Sometimes if you have really good friends, they'll scare you. If you're playing hide and seek in the dark or whatever, you know, you're, they're hiding really well and they jump out. But I was thinking about hide and seek and how it's always fun. And you, you know, the person that you're looking for can be found. How many, let's flip the coin. How many of you, and now I'm not talking about lost on the road, but how many of you have ever been borderline lost and you get that fear and panic? Now, this is before navigation. This is before GPS because, like, for you to really be lost, you really don't know how to, how to get back to where you're going. This happened with me deer hunting or walking through the woods or walking somewhere I don't know where I'm at. I can't see any hedge lines. I can't see any freeways. I can't see any roads. And I remember one time I was walking through the woods, and at some point I came to my senses. I said, I ain't getting lost in these stupid woods. And I started thinking about it. The, the, the sun was going down. It was dark. We were hunting on another person's property. I saw a fence line, but I didn't know which way that fence line was running. No, he came to his senses that day. But I'll tell you what, go back to the deer stand and let your dad come get you. But as I was wandering around, there was fear. There was, there was uncertainty. There was panic. You know, now, um, the other day, we were, when we were in New Orleans, we were in this old mall. And it had two stories. We didn't know it had two stories because it just sloped. We walk out of the building of Dillard's or whatever it was. We walk out and the truck's not there. And I'm like, man, if somebody stole my truck in New Orleans, this is going to be a good story to tell the church. But it wasn't that the truck was not there. We just didn't know where the truck was and we were lost. Well, let me tell you what. My phone has this really cool feature because I always hook it up. So it marks my last location of my truck. And I was like, well, it says it's right over there. Now, I believe that God 
is guiding some of us out of a wilderness woods of we're lost. We don't know where we're going. Maybe you're panicking. You know what the, you know what the worst thing is? Is when you don't know you're lost. You think you know where you're going. But if somebody could really look at your life, it just looks like you're wandering around aimlessly in the woods. Playing hide and seek is one thing. Being completely lost is a whole nother thing. Today, Jesus wants to find you. He wants to draw near to you. He wants to take you by the hand and lead you out of the woods, lead you out of your confusion, lead you out of the place of not knowing what to do, utterly lost, and lead you on a path towards God. He will rescue you today. He will meet you at the well. Where the Spirit of God is today, when Jesus shows up at the well, everything changes. We have to know that. But you can find him today, and Jesus is here to meet with you today. It's number one, what we can learn from the woman at the well. Number two, Jesus alone will satisfy you. Now, I want you to make this connectable. So Jesus will satisfy you today. In this moment, I'm not talking about, hey, I've felt God just satisfy me all the days of my life. I believe that today God wants to pour out a fresh mantle, a fresh newness of his presence in your life where you can be more satisfied than you've ever been with him in this moment. I don't want you to talk about when you got saved. I don't want you to talk about the revival meetings you went to. I don't want to talk to you about, um, I don't even want you to talk about the message I preached today, but I want you to talk about how the presence of God filled you up to full capacity, where it said rivers of living water would flow from the inside out. But really, he satisfies you. It says that you will never thirst again. That was the statement that he made in, in that story with the woman at the well. Now, how many of you know there is a difference between physical water and spiritual water? And Jesus was a master at connecting the physical with the spiritual. How many of you know in that story, we're much like the woman. We keep talking about the natural water. Jesus wants us to come over here and pay attention to the spiritual water. You know, because he wasn't talking about the well, the physical, tangible well water. He was talking about the well of the spirit that will never run dry. And then when you drink it, it will satisfy and you'll never thirst again. Psalms 107, 9, it says, for he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The drink that Jesus was referring to was himself. If you drink of me, if you come near to me. Jeremiah 2.13, it says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. And, and this, is what I, this is what I want you to get out of this. Don't get distracted by the first part. But the spring of living water. He was referring to himself as the stream of living water. And then John 7.37-39, it says, then Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, it says rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the spirit. Now, the cool thing about that passage, he wasn't just referring to the woman at the well, but now he's referring to you and I, that we could come and that we could drink and that we could partake of something of the spirit. You know, Jesus didn't need anything to draw from because he was referring to himself well, what are you going to draw this water with? You know, this lady continues to stay in this confused state, but he was going to be the water that would never run dry. The Spirit of God that he would give to the world. 
There's one statement that this woman makes that changes the whole direction of this conversation. Now, she didn't know what she was asking for, but Jesus knew what she was asking for and it was good enough. But she responds, she says, sir, give me this water. Sometimes we don't know the magnitude of what we're asking for, but Jesus does. And he honors it to the full extent as if we knew what he was talking about. This morning, all you have to do is ask for this living water and he will give it freely in full proportion to you. But it's up to us to ask. She could have said, you're a madman. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not going to get any water out of this well unless I dip it for you. I'm out of here. But she, as, as intrigued as she was, what he talked about, she wanted. So this morning, what we're talking about, is it something that you desire? Is it something that you want? It's going to require you to ask for it. Right? He's not going to grab you by the cheeks and say, open your mouth. I'm going to, you're going to have to ask for it, and then he will willfully give it. Amen. Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Do you desire his presence today? Are you intrigued by this story that you don't even understand what the depths of this living spiritual water that he talks about, but there's something stirring inside you that says, I don't know, but it sounds good, Pastor. I want some of that. Because today, if you will ask, you will receive. It says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who desire to be filled will be filled in Jesus' name. So number one, when Jesus is at the well, it changes everything. Number two, Jesus truly is the only one that can satisfy. And number three, Jesus always does a good job at revealing and then transforming our lives. He reveals and then he transforms our life. If we, look, if we think about that dialogue um, just for a minute, man, like I'd have been like, why are you judging me, bro? And I'd have left. I would have got all offended. I would have got frustrated that, that somebody was calling out my sin. And now there was a moment also that she said, I perceive you're a prophet. You know, I probably would have been saying, man, who you been talking to? Here, my deepest, darkest secrets, that's word on the street or what, you know, we see this dialogue of what's happening, but we have to realize that Jesus's heart in confronting sin was not to judge. It was not to, to, to necessarily even to rebuke as much as it was to reveal, to reveal the things in her life that needed to change so she could walk in the fullness of what God had for her. That's why it was revealed. It was revealed to transform her. Not to condemn her, not to judge her, not to spit in her face, not to say, oh, you should be coming to the well by yourself because of your actions. So we see that Jesus was highlighting, he was illuminating the areas in her life that needed to change. Now, in this story, she came full of shame and guilty as charged, but she left free and completely changed. And I don't even think she realized it at the moment, but she went from revelation to salvation. Once it was seen, once it was understood, she said, I want this. I don't even know what it is, but I will take a drink. I will drink from this living water that will forever change her. So in this moment of revelation to salvation, she responds, I can see you're a prophet. Now, let me tell you something super cool about this story. Many, 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 many other times, Jesus never plainly, clearly says who he is. But in this story, she says, hey, I heard that Jesus, the Messiah is coming. And Jesus declares, I, the one who am speaking is he. 
Now, let me tell you, if that doesn't shake your faith and cause something to stir inside of you, at that moment, he said, I am him. And all through the passages of scripture, he did not reveal that to everyone. Let me tell you what, when you are alone with God at the well, hungering and thirsting for him, he will show you measures of him that he doesn't show everyone. But he will show you who he is. And you know, how many of you know that in, that in that area of intimacy, secrets shared, things revealed, that's where they're shared. I'll tell you what, I don't share the intimate things of my life with the general public, and Jesus doesn't either. But as you draw near to him and grow close to, his, to the well and you hunger and thirst for his presence, he will show you those intimate things. And he will reveal himself in a personal way that is personal to you. Now, what is the response? So we see this response that, the, that she actually leaves all the water jugs behind. And I really believe what this signifies, guys, spiritually, the old she left behind. She didn't care about what she used to do. All she, was, all she cared about from that moment forward was where she was going. Can you, you know, like you get there, you got your car, you got your whatever. What's important to you? I don't know, your cell phone. I don't know what's your like, but this was life source. She was getting water. So it has to be something important that you needed for life and death. She just left it and ran off, left it all behind. And I believe those that have really encountered the presence of God, you will leave behind those things that you used to carry. How many even know that the water was heavy? It was burdensome and she was doing it alone. God will take your burdens, he will take your sin, and he will, he will release freedom in your life. Because let me tell you what, she ran back a lot lighter than she came in. And that's for each of you today also. Leaving the old behind, stepping into her new life. What else did she do? She said, come and see, come and see the man that told me everything I ever did. How many of you love, would, uh, come and see this guy that told me all my sins. Let me tell you what, she was wrecked by that relationship because she no longer cared who she was. The only way you can talk about sins openly like that is when you are no longer those sins, but you've been freed from those. And that was the difference. She said, hey, he, he told me everything that I still am. No, he said, showed me every, he told me everything in regards to who I was. I believe there was a transformation of her heart, her identity, and the person she was is not the person she was now. That there was a complete transformation in her life. This testimony, she went and she told, she encouraged, her shame and guilt was removed. But forgiveness and restoration and acceptance is what she received and she shouted it from the mountaintop. Psalms 32, one through two, it says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Thank you, God, because that's what he gives us. Now, we also know that her testimony caused many, many, many people to believe in Jesus. And all she did was said, come and see, come here. All she did said, Come to church with me. I want to show you somebody that changed my life. So the moment we think not inviting somebody to church is not a deal breaker, it doesn't really matter, many other Samaritans came to knowledge of Jesus because of that woman's testimony. 
And do you realize that when she was first testifying about Jesus, this might be the Messiah one we've been talking about. She was still a little confused about it. But I believe as her life opened up and God continued to change in her heart, changed everything. So what can you take away from this story? That today Jesus wants to meet with you. He's crossing paths with whatever your life looks like. Secondly, Jesus alone is going to satisfy you. If you feel like in life right now you are discontent and not satisfied with where you're at, if it's not full of Jesus, you will always thirst and hunger for more. You always You know the song, they say there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. I really believe that to be true because until that void is filled, then nothing satisfies. But i tell you what, when when I have Jesus and he's filling that spot of my life, all of a sudden my job is enjoyable. Get to walk out and drink my coffee. I look at my grass, it's growing too fast now. But a month ago I was mad it wasn't growing. But I'm at this place of just contentment and saying, Lord, I thank you for the yard be it a desert wasteland or be it an overgrown jungle because out of a heart of gratitude because I have found the thing that is most important. Will you allow Jesus to reveal things in your life this morning that he wants to change? Now, if you're smart or hyper-religious, you know there's things in your life this morning that God wants to deal with. But help us not be ignorant. Help us to have revelation of what those things are so that his salvation can work out in our lives in those areas. Tell you what, the older I get and the longer I live, I don't want to keep tripping over the same things I've always tripped over. Give me new problems, Lord. But for that to happen, we have to give him what we are right now if we're to become what he wants us to be. There's three other passages in the scripture. One is in Acts 16, 30 through 33. And this passage, Paul was in prison. And the response is, what must I do to be saved? If you have never asked that question, you have to ask that question. And then guess what? The Bible's so awesome. It gives us the guidance. Here's what it says. They replied when the question was asked, believe in Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And this is the cool part. I love this part. It says, you and your household. So they heard the word, the Lord spoke, and and the others in the household heard. And it says, at that moment, now this was in prison. Get this. This was in prison. And it says, at that moment, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and they immediately, him and his whole household were baptized. Talk about that. You're in prison one moment. You tell them what it is to be saved. All of a sudden, that prison guard sets you free, washes your feet, cleans you up, and his whole household is saved. So when we ask the question, how do we get saved? It's an amazing thing. Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. 
And one more passage, Mark 16, 16 through 17. It says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then in verse 17, and this is where I want to kind of leave us, but I want to entice you to come back next week because it says, and these signs will follow, will accompany all of those who believe. Now with receiving salvation, and we're talking about signs and wonders and miracles, divine protection, and we'll look at that passage next week. But maybe you came this morning, you were just doing the same thing you always did. So man, this new this two new service two services is awesome, man. I can come at night. I'm gonna go home at ten thirty. I want that. Can you stand up with us? I tell you what, my mind just panicked when I looked at that clock because my brain was telling me we start a service at ten thirty. <laughs> Woo! I was like, what did I do? I'm in good shape. We all need adjustments. We all need a change in our routine. But let me tell you what, God wants to be a part of this moment. He wants to get involved in whatever's going on in your life. I believe there's some of you in the room that are sensing something different than you ever have. But yet what God has for you is more than you've ever tasted and you've ever seen. He wants you to draw near to him. But he also wants you to leave the old life behind. And step in today of a new life. So there's two people in the room. There's either people that don't know Jesus. And need to. That's the first one. right? You don't know Jesus. You have never met God. You've never surrendered your life to him. And there's others that have served God for a long time, but need a little bit of housekeeping. That's what I call it, housekeeping. Dealing with a few things, working things out. You know, a lot of times you'll say, well, I have rededicated my life. I have resurrendered my life. Man, I tell you what, I love spiritual do-overs because we got a good habit of messing things up. I mean, and if you really kept track of all the areas you've messed up lately... It may be pretty gruesome. But let me tell you what, Jesus died a gruesome life on the cross so that we could be free. The gift that he gave us was simple. He said, all you got to do is ask. The word says that today is the day of salvation. But you have to come near. You have to ask. You have to desire. But I believe that God's spirit is doing something different. You didn't come seeking and searching today but he had you in his crosshairs this morning and he wanted to change your life. He wanted to bring you back to life. He wanted to work in you some newness this morning. So this morning, I'm gonna open up the altar and I'm gonna invite you to come see Jesus in a way that you never have. We got prayer teams available. You can go ahead and come up. If, if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can you lift your hand up for me real quick and put it back down? If you have never done that. Okay. So the majority of you know the Lord. But does your life reflect a life that has truly met Jesus at the well? Maybe you have not tasted and seen that the Lord is good lately. And today you want a fresh touch. 
If you're Christians, you know what to do. I'm not going to get you to lift your hand and put your hand back down, but I want you to come quickly to the front. Get with these prayer teams. Come before the altar and meet with the presence of God this morning. You can do that now, right now. You're saying, I want more. I'm inviting you to come and see the goodness of God. Start your renewal of your relationship with him today. not responding to the altar call let's just worship just for a minute course of this series I want you to press in like you never have I want you to come with an expectation like maybe you never have as much as maybe you're excited about getting breakfast or coffee or donuts or or whatever excites you (laughs) that you would stir that excitement as you come to the house of the Lord and that through the course of this series that you would see Jesus in a whole new way. And you could say, Pastor, I don't remember what the series was about, but I remember my life changing and me never being the same. And guess what? We stay at that place of glory to glory, moment to moment in his presence where we continually change to be more and more like him. Amen? I got homework for you as you leave. Go tell somebody about Jesus and what they have done in your life. And then next week, say, come and see the man that told me all I ever did, but yet changed me from all I ever was into the person you see standing before you today. Before you leave this place, think about who you can invite that you know you should already invite. Maybe it's somebody at your workplace. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's a neighbor you didn't even know. You don't even know their name yet. But invite them to come and see what the Lord is doing. They will never regret it. And perhaps they can have the same relationship that you have. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.